I want to speak today from the subject prerequisite for fullness. Prerequisite for fullness. Because there is an insatiable hunger that is present right now in our world and in this church. That's what precipitated the events that occurred last Sunday. It was hunger. Hunger for God. And I just want to simply point out to you. That God is the origin of that type of hunger. You see, as someone has said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. It's when he meets our needs and exceeds our expectations that he receives the greatest amount of glory from us. But there is a prerequisite for spiritual fullness, and that is spiritual hunger. And just before I give you my text, we all know about hunger. (laughs) Not some of us so much from experience, as you can tell. Me, especially. Probably need to become a little better acquainted with hunger when we talk about food. But there are 900 million people in the 8.1 to 2 billion that go to bed hungry every day. It's one out of 10. I see a lot of that in different parts of the world. And have you ever noticed how our lives revolve around food and eating and conversations that have to do with food? Anybody notice that other than me? Oh, come on, you're pretending. You're no different than me. There are birthdays, there's Thanksgiving, there's Christmas, there's New Year's, there's uh, all kind of stuff. And a big part of our conversation is during the course of a day, what are we going to eat today? What do you want to eat? Are you cooking? That's real big at my house. Are you cooking today? I ask that question almost every day. Amen. Amen. We're down to just two people in the home, so she doesn't cook every day like she did when we were raising kids. Food's a big part of our lives. So is conversation about food. We have an Italian, Cajun, barbecue, Chinese. Certainly not McDonald's, please. There are other types of hunger too. There's the hunger for companionship, one of the most basic that we were created to possess. There's the hunger for knowledge. Some people will spend their entire lives studying, get degree after degree after degree, and then when their formal education is complete, they still won't stop studying. I admire that that person. I love to study and read. Others have a hunger for recognition. Fame, which is really a cry of desperation from the soul. Please notice me and be aware that I have value. That's what that really is. Others hunger for wealth, others power. Some hunger for the gratification of physical or personal needs. There are many types of hunger. But then, as I began by saying, there is spiritual hunger. And that is the single greatest kind of hunger that exists in the world. And it's the one we probably prioritize the least. 
In Psalms 107 verses 8 through 9, the psalmist said, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And just right up front, if you don't feel you have anything in that category to be thankful for, his wonderful works in your life, I can give you one. Think back to the cross if he never does anything else. That one thing alone will cause you, if you allow it, to spend the rest of your life and all of eternity praising God. And you still will not finish. But the next verse says this. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Not everybody gets satisfied. Not every hunger is going to be filled. But the hungry soul? It's a different story. Father, I ask that you would make that a different story in every one of our lives. And speak in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. The word here in this verse, for soul, the fish, refers to that part that was created when God breathe the ruach, the breath of life into the nostrils of Adam in the Garden of Eden in creation. And man became a living soul. We usually get that wrong. We say that, you know, man came to life and he has a soul. We have a soul. We use those, those phrases. They're not altogether accurate. And as long as you know they're not accurate, then it probably is not going to do a great deal of damage, but not knowing what I'm about to tell you will. And that is, you're not a body that has a soul. You're a soul that has a body. Really important. And it is stated within the context of creation. And you look at everything else that was created and everything that was created has an environment to which it is adapted and suited that it thrives, lives in, remove it from that environment, it will not do well. It will die. Take a fish out of water. Well, guess what? Acts 17 and verse 28 says, for in him we live and move and have our being. It's what some have called the desire to return to what we knew in Eden before man fell. And what we knew in Eden was the manifest presence of God. Someone else said it like this, spiritual yearning is the homesickness of the soul, or to put it simply, our oldest and greatest need and hunger is not for food. It is to be in the presence of God. And when that hunger is present, this is what I want you to understand, that God manifests himself and feels and satisfies that longing within us. That's the prerequisite for fullness. There has to first be hunger. It's the greatest hunger that exists. Talking, of course, about spiritual hunger. And it can occur suddenly. You can be rocking along and completely unaware of the emptiness of your soul. And something happen that rock your world, shakes you up. And suddenly you've got throbbing, pulsating hunger 
that wails up from the inside, grasping, reaching, crying out for God to satisfy it. It can occur when a crisis comes and things we have been relying upon suddenly fail us that we were trusting in. Ever have that happen? You just were trusting everything was going to be okay. We all did during the pandemic. Everything we believed in, boom, suddenly, gone, just like that. And we experienced disillusionment as a society. We underwent a dramatic paradigm shift in the way we looked at the institutions and governments of life and medicine and healthcare. And who wants to hear Dr. Fauci anymore? No disrespect. Just everything is now up in the air in question. You name it, the economy. As believers, we have a distinct advantage over everyone else during times of crisis. And sometimes when these crisis points come in our lives, they become inflection points. They shift us toward the right direction. It's like this. Storms come. Jesus said it. You build your house on the rock or the sand. Doesn't matter which one. Storms will come. He said it came to the man who built his house on the rock and to the one who built it on the sand. Storms still came. We live in a fallen, broken world. And in our world, some of the very worst storms are typhoons and hurricanes. Anybody here ever been in a typhoon? That's the same thing as a hurricane in the Pacific. I have. Scary. Been in a number of hurricanes. I'm from Louisiana. What else? I got a high water mark. You know what I mean? Rain so much and storms so often. But we have an advantage. I learned something this week that I did not know. When storms come, no matter how severe, and they generally rate them on a scale of one to five, category one, category two, all the way up to five, but in extremely dangerous ones, they call those category sevens. They're very rare. Do you know that the worst storms only agitate and disturb the water that's at the surface of an ocean and then only so far down? Doesn't go all the way down. Just penetrates a little ways. Mountainous waves crashing, tossing, turning, ships sinking. And you would think, man, the whole ocean is agitated like you know your washing machine or something no it's not it's just at the top you ever wonder how fish survive this is what I learned this week they go deeper if the storm disturbs the top 50 feet of water you know what they do they go to 51 feet And when storms come in your life, you know what they're designed to do? Help you go. I didn't hear you. Thank you for all 25 of those who joined in to help me preach. Amen. Storms in life can send you to the bottom or they can help you just go deeper. I'm talking to somebody right now. I wish I had time to spend on this. You may be going through a storm in your life at this very minute. 
And the devil's telling you, I'm going to take you out. This storm's going to leave you busted, broke. Your marriage fall apart. I've got a word for somebody. All it's going to do is let you go deeper in God to discover a depth of resources you don't even know exists. Oh, bless his name. Hallelujah. In a full category seven storm, it's only the top part of the ocean that gets disturbed. It doesn't go very far down and not very deep. And the more severe the storm, the secret to surviving it is look at somebody and say, go deeper. Come on, tell somebody, go deeper. Our problem is we want to survive seven category, uh, category seven storms staying within three feet of the top. Amen. There's another reason that spiritual hunger can occur. It's when something causes us to hear the distinct whispers of eternity. Do you know what I'm referring to? Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. He has put eternity in their hearts. There's a part of you that is eternal. It's not going to die. It's going to live on after the tent that you live in. The body, the shell, the husk. After it waxes old and decays and is around no more, you're going to still be living on somewhere. That part of you is eternal. And I was stunned when I read not long ago that a well-known doctor, in fact, a group of doctors state that one out of every five persons experience, they believe NDEs as near as they can tell. You know what an NDE is? Near death experience. One out of five and maybe as high as one out of four. One out of four. Like one, two, three, four. One out of four is going to have that experience. One, two, three, four. When their time comes to go and they get there and they step one foot into that other world and then they're brought back. And the stories are wonderfully, astonishingly Similar, And science has tried to explain it away, but the best science out there right now cannot explain what is happening at that moment because everybody sees the same thing. And they can't explain it. And some of them talk about going through that tunnel and to the light. And then they get sent back. Some of them get sent back because they weren't ready for the light as they later discover. You may not know this. There are a number of people in this room right now that I know personally that have had NDEs in this building right now. They were resuscitated and they came back and they've told me their story. I had one man just a few weeks ago come into the common room right outside my office and share his story with me. Only he didn't die and go to heaven. He went somewhere else. And God in his mercy brought him back. And in his testimony, sharing with me that he was a drug dealer. And he, if I remember correctly, OD'd. And that was his condition when he died. And God was kind enough to allow him to come back because his time was not yet completely over. Some people don't ever have that opportunity. 
my conviction, my feeling is 100% of people have NDEs. Only some don't get to come back to tell us about it. I think everybody steps into that world. And when eternity begins to whisper through the loss of a loved one or a friend, that can be profoundly disturbing to, to whatever sense of, of contentment we had with the life we were living up to that moment. Because we suddenly realized, man, we prepared for everything, but we hadn't prepared for that. Or maybe we've not made that the highest priority. I had an experience just this past Monday. Does anybody remember the name Nelda Thomas? Some of you might. Sweetheart of a lady. She came here just a few months before I did to become senior pastor. She came and joined the church at the old location. And she was a truck driver. She and her husband, Eddie, he had already gone to be with the Lord. And Nelda, I'm, she was strong. Man, I, I'm talking about strong. She was just a little old woman. But do you know she would drive those 18-wheelers from coast to coast and all over in mountain ranges and she was an amazing lady. She carried the Moab. Do you know what the Moab is? Anybody remember? That means mother of all bombs. Not making that up. She is the driver who transported that thing. And somebody asked her, which direction was it pointed? Was it pointed out the back or pointed toward the camp? She said, didn't look, didn't matter. If it had gone off, I wouldn't be here to tell about it. I did her funeral. Staff went and visited with her in the hospice. She sensed it was her time to go, didn't want medical intervention. And she would lie there in not aware of her surroundings, but in another state of mind. And staff went in, Pastor Steve, Pastor Clark, Pastor James, Pastor Tracy, Pastor Andrew. They all went in. James and Tracy sang to her and she was in this other state. And when they started singing, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, her eyes popped open and she started singing right along with them. I loved it. Amen. And they cried. They called me. They, they could not contain their emotion. Pastor Steve, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Irvin, they all prayed at different times. And she would rouse from wherever she was at and pray for them when they got done. It was amazing. And by the time I could get my schedule clear to get up there, I went up there. And she had slipped across that line enough that she wasn't coming back to, across this side anymore. And when I walked in the room, and I've seen this so many times. She was laughing and carrying on a conversation with people that you and I could not see. You say what you want to about that. But to me, that's whispers from eternity. Amen. And sometimes everything falls apart. A storm comes. It makes you be aware that I have a spiritual hunger that I should be pursuing and all this stuff I've crammed in is not really satisfying because how many of you know this world can't satisfy that hunger, right? You do realize that. And in many ways, we're still like our children that we raised. You remember when your kids wanted that whole bag of candy, all of it, and it was time to eat. 
And they insisted on having the whole thing and got so sick they couldn't eat real food anymore. Remember that? I'm an adult. I've done that since I was an adult. (laughs) Seriously. Not so sick that I regurgitated or anything, but sick enough. I mean, even my wife's gumbo didn't look good at that moment. Because I filled my appetite with the wrong things. And that can happen to us. Spiritual hunger can occur when all of our achievements suddenly become meaningless. Our goals are realized to be what they actually are. And that is not as important as we think had pretended they were. Our perspectives change. You know, there's a whole book in the Bible written about that very thing. It's called Ecclesiastes. Written by a guy named Solomon, David's son. He became king after David died. Well, David was still living. He made him king and he ruled after David as well. And this is what Solomon begins the book of Ecclesiastes talking about. He had a hunger for knowledge and he learned everything he could. And it talks about all the proverbs he learned and his writings. You will, you will discover he was called the wisest man who ever lived. And then at the end of the chapter, he said, there was much weariness of the flesh and study. What our kids have been telling us the whole time. <laughs> it wears you out. <laughs> Amen. And then... He said he started something else. He decided that he would be successful and have a great career. So like I said, he had become king and he wanted to be the best king there was out there. And so he builds this fabulous city and and the whole city runs on systems that are are well integrated and and successful. and, And Solomon becomes renowned for his governmental leadership. And then he says, you know what? That didn't satisfy me either. And then he decided he was going to become wealthy. And did he ever become wealthy? He had ships that would go and fill up with gold and bring it back. He didn't own pounds of gold. He owned tons of gold. He is considered to be the world's first trillionaire and had a net worth of approximately $2.2 trillion. Dollars. Eat your heart out, Elon Musk. Amen. And it was meaningless. In fact, the theme song for Solomon's life could be this. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. By Bono and you too. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. So you know what he started doing then? Chasing women and drinking. And he married... All of these many, many wives and drink and drink and drink. And and he's the guy who tells us to be careful because wine will destroy your life. I guess he ought to know because it pretty much both those two things destroyed his. Didn't bring him satisfaction either. None of those things can satisfy a single person in this building right now. Partying. The pursuit of pleasure, possessions, fame, fortune, 
that will not feel the emptiness that is in here. St. Augustine said it this way. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. Oh God, David cried, I thirst for you in a dry and desert land where no water is. That's the world we live in right now. It will not satisfy you. Pascal, the famous French mathematician and philosopher said it this way. There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled with any created thing, but only by God. The creator made known through Jesus Christ. And here's the problem. All that stuff I talked about a while ago. It can take the edge off your appetite where you. Like me with my wife's gumbo. (laughs) If I've eaten too much of the wrong thing. And there's nothing wrong with possessions and nothing wrong with any of that. I'm not saying that. But if that is your primary Focus, that's when it becomes the wrong thing. And if that's all you look at, that's when it is a problem. But you can fill yourself with so much of that kind of stuff, you lose your spiritual edge, the edge on your appetite. And Luke 1 and 53 says, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. And when you're already full, you go away empty. We have a term for that, empty calories, right? Because they don't do you any good. This is what I would like to leave you with. Spiritual hunger results in an awakening spiritually, whether it's in you, a church, a nation, the world. There have been four great awakenings in America in its history. The first was from the 1730s through the 1740s. And it swept the 13 colonies and people like Jonathan Edwards. Andrew mentioned some of these the other day. George Whitfield and these others were greatly used of God. Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon where people held on to the pillars holding up the church. Because they felt that they were slipping into eternity without God. God's presence came so close that they were crying out, God save me. The second was during the 1810s through the 1840s. And great evangelist, the Methodist circuit riding preacher, Peter Cartwright, then Charles Finney and others reported that awakening. The third was from the 1880s to the 1910s. And that included Azusa with William Seymour, Charles Parnham, Maria Woodworth Etter, Bishop Charles Mason, Others being used to minister about the power of the Holy Spirit were great revivals that swept the world. The revival in Wales was included in that. And then the fourth great awakening was the 1960s through the 1980s. And there's the movie out about it right now, The Jesus Revolution. Anybody seen that movie? Just let me see. You ought to go see it. You really should. Or rent it when they... Put it out and watch it at home. I lived during that. Not only did that revival occur, but the charismatic renewal occurred. You say, well, that wasn't that, you know, that wasn't in my church. That was somebody else's. 
You know, one of the things that will take the edge off your spiritual appetite is religion. I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. Amen. And do you know what we, we, we study and learn from this? These awakenings generally last from 20 to 30 years. And they come about once every 80 years. And we're right now at the beginning of the cycle when there should be another one. And it's not coincidental that there is hunger erupting everywhere right now. It's everywhere. Everywhere. In each case, spiritual hunger reached critical mass. And the big question that I leave you with is, do you want to be a part of what God is doing right now? Because what you have to do is guard and protect your spiritual hunger. Don't let anything satisfy as much as he does. You understand what I mean? That no matter how much you enjoy other things, God, I want you to be the chief portion of my joy. And so, whether you wish to be a part of it will be determined by answering one of three questions. The first is, are you available? The second is, how do you respond to spiritual hunger? Because if you cut it off and shut it down and fill it with a bunch of other empty, meaningless calories, it dies. One of the things that happens during spiritual awakenings are spiritual manifestations. So here's the sequence. The prerequisite is hunger. Then God manifests himself. And when he does, there is a manifestation that occurs in the world around us as people get moved. And they respond. We saw that last Sunday. Pastor Andrew came up to preach and just said, let me pray for some people. I feel this. And when he did, all of heaven broke loose in this place. People got delivered. They got healed. And it was an amazing thing. And it reminds me of the book of Acts chapter 8 when Philip went to Samaria to preach. Anybody remember what happened? Those who had demonic spirits cried out with loud voices and got delivered. So that's why I asked. Are you available? Because you have to be available for what all that entails. And that brings us to the third thing. And that is how do you respond to criticism of what God is doing when he does it? Oh, if it's God, it won't be criticized. (laughs) Pardon me while I laugh. If God's really in it, everybody will know it. Really? We seem to forget it was religious folk who crucified Christ. Amen. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 139, the Passion Translation, I've been consumed with a furious passion to do what's right. That's one of the things awakening does. It makes you want to do what's right. All because of the way my enemies disrespect your laws. And the more people disrespect the laws of God, the more you feel that you want to respect them. And I, 
I just mentioned this, and musicians, where are you at? Remember a guy named David in the Old Testament who broke the ark back to Jerusalem? Anybody remember that story? He brings it to Jerusalem, and there's a lady in the tower of a castle looking out a window and sees them coming down the road carrying the ark and David is dancing before the Lord with all of his might. And she is, oh, quite frankly, I am appalled. I'm mortified. I'm beyond mortified. I'm horrified. This is scandalous. It's an outrage. It is beyond my ability to comprehend why someone would act like that. In a religious service, no less. Oh, heaven. I think I'm going to faint. Somebody get me the smelling salts. She got so upset. And she made fun of David. Well, you really showed out today. Got out there dancing and all those young ladies saw you. Making a fool out of yourself like that. And David said, I will do even worse the next time. Now what he wasn't doing, he wasn't condoning improper behavior. But I want you to hear what I'm about to say. The Bible said that the woman's name was Michal, David's wife. And it said she died childless. She never had a child. We always interpret that to mean that she was barren. She wasn't. That term that she didn't have a child has more to do with intimacy than it does whether she could conceive. It meant that David never was intimate with her again. And if you want God to be intimate with you, you got to keep your attention focused toward, toward Him. Hello, somebody. Oh, I'm preaching right now, and I wish somebody could help me out. Because if you want God to cause your life to prosper, and you want to be involved in what God is doing, please stand with me right now. If you want God to be involved in what you are doing, And him to be a part of your life. Don't lose the honor. That you have for his presence. And for worship. And so again I ask you. Are you available? If God moves. You pray for spiritual hunger. How do you respond when you get hungry? Do you fill it up with the wrong stuff? Don't. But thirdly, remember this. That there are no children born without intimacy. And she never had children because she despised his worship. And because of that, she was never intimate with David again. And I pray, God, visit with us. And help us to regard with dignity 
and value the vertical connections that each person is making all around us right now. Because suddenly the internets have been filled with stuff where you got you got people judging everything that God is doing. And, and I'm saying like, whoa, man, I wouldn't touch that if I were you with a 10-foot pole. You don't remember what happened to David's wife? No, nobody's here doing that. So I'm not saying that. So that you would think that, you know, we've got a problem that I'm correcting. That's not who we are. That's not our DNA. I only mention that because... When God shows up and does things, there are those that feel compelled to sit on the sidelines and cast their vote for whether they think it's of God or not. And what we really ought to be doing is just simply saying, Lord, if you're anywhere in this, let me be a part of what you're doing. Can I hear somebody say amen? Come on, can I hear somebody say amen? Or maybe I'll say it this way. Years ago, there was a great revival in another country and I went to it. I went to it. Because when God is moving, if I can get there, I'm going to be where God moves. I just keep hoping some of that will rub off on me. And I think that's your heart because that's hunger. But afterward, I heard a preacher tell that he had also gone. And he said some of his friends asking, what did you think about it? And he said, maybe 30% God and 70% flesh. And I'm just going to tell you what he said. He said, The moment those words came out of his mouth, he said the Lord rebuked him and said, 30% is more of me than you've ever seen before. Wow. Now this is what I want to do. We will be careful to administrate whatever God does as we move forward in the next weeks, months, Years, I want God to settle in this nation for the next 20 to 30 to 40 years until Christ comes. I want a revival to shake from New York City to Los Angeles and Seattle all the way down to Miami. Can I hear somebody that agrees with me, that has a hunger to see that happen? Say, yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're going to pray for that. And this is what I want to do. I've gone a little bit over because I've got it way late. I want everybody that is hungry for revival. Hunger matters to you. Come join me right now. Come across the building. We don't have to stay long. But we're going to vote with our feet right now. And we're going to say, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see your power. I want to see you manifest. I want to see you move. And if you're here today and you don't know God, if you're here today and you don't know God, would you just raise your hand right where you are while you're coming and say, I want want to give my heart to the Lord. Wave your hand, somebody. Amen. Amen. All right. 
God bless you. And at home, do the same thing. And while you're coming, just keep coming. Father, I pray first of of all for those who are here today who have acknowledged their need of you and those who are watching online and save them and write their name in the book of life. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Everybody shouted, Amen. And on the screen behind me, they will put next steps. And if you just prayed that prayer or you need to, to find out who we are and what we're about, you can do that on the screen. But now I want to pray another prayer for every person here. Put your hand over your heart if you would, please. Father, I pray right now that you would make us hungry. 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 Hungry to know you more. Hungry to be more like you. Hunger to have a relationship with you. Hunger to be in your presence. Give us hunger. Give us hunger that is insatiable, unquenchable, undeniable. Give us hunger that is raging, palpitating, active and alive. Give us hunger that is compelling, overwhelming. Give us hunger that is driving, that moves us closer toward you. Give us hunger. Give us hunger. May we stop filling up on junk and turn our attention toward you now. And I bless what the Lord is doing. I bless you. I bless you, Father. I bless you for what you're doing in this place. That Inspire Church is in a revival that is undeniable right now. Oh my God, you're doing so many incredible things. And Lord, I met people in the lobby just this morning, drawn because when they passed by on the interstate, you drew them here. They told me that. They said, this is what we were looking for. I bless that because when you were lifted up, you draw all men unto you. So spring up, oh well. Spring up, oh well. Let the river of life flow here. Flow through me. In fact, let it begin in me. Let it begin in me. Let it begin in me. Hallelujah. 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 Visit with us, Lord. Let miracles continue to happen. They're a bona fide product of revival. God, let deliverances continue to happen. Prayers be answered. Let there be divine encounters that will mark us for as long as we live. We were created for your glory. And we hunger for you. 
My soul cries out to you, O God. When shall I come before God, the living God? One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after. I feel like I'm in a desert wasteland spiritually and every fiber of my being is reaching out to you need you so much need you so much and I bless you panted for the water so my soul Tell him that. say this one word and then you're dismissed if you need to go if you want to pray you're welcome to but I want you to just say no competition come on lift your hands no competition what does that mean I will not allow anything to compete with my hunger for God no competition no competition You're uncontested. You are unrivaled. You're King of kings and Lord of lords. There's no one can stand beside you. I love you. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace.